All right, everybody coming on back in and getting situated. Listen, um, this morning, like we said, our pastors have been traveling kind of out of the state, and so we are really privileged today to have Pastor Hershey Schaffner with us. He's going to come and minister the word to us. Also, to he and, which, now it's Emma and Evan are going with you, right? And they're all four of you guys are going? All four, uh, him and his, two of his kids and his wife are all leaving tomorrow, right? Tomorrow to head to Ethiopia to do some mission work there. And so we're going to be praying for them and blessing them at the end of service. Um, so, but we're just really privileged and honored and thankful to have Pastor Hershey and his family here with us today. So y'all welcome him as we come to receive the word today. Good morning. How are we? I can do that too. Well, it's good to be here. Um, I'm honored to share the word of the Lord with you guys this morning. Amen. And uh, have you enjoyed worship? The Lord moved. Yes. Hi, Mom. Is that? Yeah. Are y'all awake? Yeah. Now, listen. I talked to Pastor Jeremy uh, earlier this week when he thought he would be out, and he said since there was no church last week. Um, to preach two messages today, so I hope you guys brought a snack, and so we'll, so we're good to go. All right, just kidding. I won't do that to you. The Lord is good, yes? Can we just uh, go before him in prayer and just welcome him to speak to us? Father, we just love you today, and uh, Lord, just as we sang earlier, it's such a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. It's a powerful name. It's the name above every name. And God, I pray today that as we gather in this place, as we come together, Lord, that your spirit would rule and reign, that God, we would hear your voice, that we would hear what you have to say. Holy Spirit, you are the one that can change our lives. There's nothing I can say that will bring change, but what you have to say can change everyone. And so we bless you today and we welcome you. I just want you to ask him, say, Father, today, whatever you have for me, let me get it so that I can be who you want me to be in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Are we good? Okay. Um, before I get into the word that the Lord uh, gave me for you guys this morning, um, I just, again, want to say how much we appreciate this house and what God's doing. We love uh, Pastor Jeremy and Haley dearly and know they've been through a lot, as all of you have. But can I tell you something? God is not done. Did the mic go out or something? Because I just said, God is not done. I was just kidding. That's all right, because I'm loud. I can, I can get through this. But as we were in worship, I want to share this with you. The Lord spoke to me um, for this house a word, and I want you to hear this. Are you all ready? The Lord said this house has become entrenched in warfare because God is calling you up to be a kingdom arsenal. Everybody knows what an arsenal is, right? It's where you keep all the heavy weapons. It's called to be a place of equipping and releasing. And so you can no longer settle for the status quo because God is calling you up to the front lines. You now have marching orders. Basic training is ending for you, and conflict with victory will be this house's calling card. So it is time to press in to be a house of habitation. That's what God is establishing here, and it will take all that you have in total surrender in order to get there. And the Lord shared this with me. I want, I want to read this to you. It's out of the message. It's Philippians 3, and Paul says this. He says, I'm not saying that I have all this together or that I've made it, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. And so I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Everybody say, we're not turning back. So let us keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. Anybody here? Well, the nine of you are going to get that. 
Does anybody want everything God has for you? Now, now, now hear me. Now, now wait, hold up. When I say that you want everything that God has for you, do you understand the price that it takes to get that? It means that you have to give up everything you have. Now, how many want everything God has for you? Now, can I tell you what you're giving up to get that? I heard Bill Johnson say this one time, and I think it speaks to us, that in order to get the things of the kingdom, it's like trading pebbles for diamonds. So if I had a box full of diamonds here today, and I said, everybody gets a diamond if you'll give me your pebbles. How many would trade? But yet, how many of you know how often we hold on to the pebbles in our life? Because they're my pebbles. I've had these pebbles since I was little. I love my pebbles, but would you trade your pebbles for diamonds? Hello? It's time for us to trade what we know, what we've experienced, what we've had. You see, there's a point where you, most of you have had some kind of encounter with Jesus, yeah? But there comes a point where that encounter you had with Jesus, it's not going to get you through to the things that God has for you coming. You can't live on, on the day-old manna because it's full of worms. It's full of maggots. That's why you've got to get a fresh word every day from the Lord. That's why it, he said, give us this day our daily bread. You've got to get a fresh thing. Are you hearing me today? And so he says, look, I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. Let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, Something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. And you'll see it yet. Now that we are on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those who you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. Sorry, somebody keeps trying to send me messages on Facebook. Leave me alone. There are many out there. Listen, this is the word of the Lord. There are many out there that are taking other paths. They're choosing other goals and they're trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times and sadly I'm doing it again. All they want is easy street. But easy street is a dead end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. And all they can think of is their own appetite. But there is a far more to life for us we're citizens of high heaven we are awaiting the arrival of the savior the master jesus christ who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own he'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him church god is calling this house up to a new place this is a year of jubilee. Y'all don't know what jubilee is, obviously, or you would have gotten a little bit excited. Does anybody know what jubilee is? Jubilee is a year where all your debts are canceled. Apparently, you guys are all debt-free, because that, ex that excites me. Man, y'all got to come lay hands on me. How many of you got some debt in your life? How many of you like having debt in your life? No. How would you like if your mortgage company said, hey, guess what? Somebody just paid your house off. Thank you. Y'all with me? All your debts, everything that you owe is paid off. That's what Jubilee is. It's a year where everything is paid off, everything is brought new, and there's an abundance that comes into your life. Come on, you Methodists should get excited about that today. There is a new place that God is calling you up to today. There's a new call upon your pastors. We talked about it the first Sunday that we were here as Thomas was praying over him and we were praying over him and the Lord has put things into position and he's propelling them to a new place and there's going to be a transformation in Jeremy and in Haley that you guys are going to go, what happened to the pastors we knew? You're going to like them still, but they're going to go to another level. It's going to push, this house has got to change. How many of you want everything God has? And it's not that you've done anything wrong. This is the time of the Lord. Are y'all? I'm speaking to you prophetically today. 
I'm telling you what God is saying over this place. This is the time of the Lord for this place to go up to another place. To not just meet in a, in a little gym and be content with a little meeting and have a good time and be on schedule. God wants to wreck your schedule, which is really going to mess with Pastor Jeremy. And I'm excited to see it. It'd be like getting and mussing up his hair, you know? Just a fun thing to do. You can't do that to me. But God is turning things and shifting things and changing things because it is time. Because you have been set in this place for such a time as this. You've been put here right now. Because there's change that has to come. And there's a level of glory that God wants to bring to this region and to this area. There's a level of anointing that we've never seen before. We think we've seen great things, but God says that the former and the latter rain are going to come together and there's going to be an outpouring. It's going to be an outpouring that even Prentice hadn't seen in his 200 years on earth. 300, I'm sorry. Are y'all hearing me? There is a change that God is doing. I want you to get excited about it. I know you've been through battles. Listen, I know you, you've, been, you've had too many funerals going on. But you know what? God is the God above the funerals. Because everything he does is marked in eternity. So those that are no longer here on this earth, guess what? They're up there as a great cloud cheering you on today. Saying, don't you waste your time. Don't waste your time mourning. Don't waste your time being broken in the wrong way. But surrender your life to the Lord because there's a greater call. Because there are many today that are lying at death's door that don't have the promise that those that have gone on from this house have had. There are many today that when they step from this realm into the next realm, their eternity will be an eternity of damnation. For all eternity, they're going to burn in hell if the church doesn't give them the true message of the gospel. There is a great burden on us, guys. There is a great calling. And I, for one, I'm ready for it. Listen, I, I'm tired of going through the motions. I get tired of, I don't want to play church because I can sleep in. Come on. I can sleep in. I can get my guitar and play at home and worship him on my own at my leisure. I can sit down and watch whatever preacher is on TBN whenever I want to watch it. But I know there's more. There's more. And God is calling us up. Amen? Amen. Yes. Everybody say yes. This, this means yes. There we go. Yeah. As you, I need some reaction here, right? Yeah, join in with me. It's all right. That's where we're at. And so this morning, I, wanna, I do want to preach to you. Galatians 2.20 is the text that we're going to use. I think they're going to put it up here for me. <coughs> it says this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in this flesh, yeah? But I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If I give you a title to my message, which I guess you'll need for the website, here it is. My favorite movie of all time is Braveheart. Anybody ever seen Braveheart? Has anybody not seen Braveheart? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they've done. But Braveheart is my all-time favorite movie. And I remember when I went to go see it, I didn't know the story of William Wallace when I went to go see it. I was with, you guys know Pastor Rick. I was with Pastor Rick and Pastor Fred. And we were out and we'd been ministering on the reservation. And we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We had some time to kill. And Fred said, let's go see this movie. So I went to watch this movie. And for three hours, I mean, just, you know, blood and guts and all kinds of stuff going on on this screen and then at the end of the movie which i can tell you now because the movie's been out for like 20 some years so if you hadn't seen it you're lost but at the end of the movie they capture william wallace and 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 he's in this place and they they begin to torture him to get him to to recant and ask for mercy and 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 all this and they're 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 pulling his guts out it's just awful i mean i don't show that but it's it's a brutal moment and so in my mind, I've watched Robin Hood. Anybody seen Robin Hood? And so, you know, when Robin Hood gets captured, what happens? The merry men come in and rescue him. It doesn't happen for William Wallace. That's the problem with true stories. 
But before he goes to his death, there's this moment, and these words captivated my heart, there's this moment where the, the princess who's in love with him tries to give him this, basically like a, a numbing agent. And he said, I have to have my wits about me. And she said, but you're going to die if you don't ask for mercy. And he said, every man dies. Not every man really lives. And those words have rung in my heart ever since I heard them. You know, every one of us is going to die, barring the return of the Lord. Yeah? The Bible says it's appointed unto each man once to die, and then judgment. So every man dies, but not every man really lives. And I see so many people that go through life with no purpose, with no meaning, or a purpose that's purposeless. They're just kind of coasting through life. They're just trying to get to that point of retirement. How many of you know that in the day and age we live, the point of retirement gets farther and farther and farther away? Yeah? I mean, there's like 90-year-old people working at Walmart because they can't retire. But in the kingdom, there is no retirement. There's no retirement plan. I will never retire. And it's not because I won't have enough money. I hope I do. But I don't want to retire because I am here on this earth for a reason. This life is just a vapor. We only have a moment, guys. And as a part of the church of the living God, we are called to live for more than what this world can supply. There's nothing in this world that will satisfy you. There's nothing that you can get in this world that will fill you up compared to what God has for you. Anybody like steak? A good steak dinner. Listen, if you were invited to come and have a good steak dinner or whatever your favorite meal is, about 10 minutes before the meal, you wouldn't eat a bag of Skittles. Would you? Because it would ruin your appetite. And if I can have Skittles or if I can have steak, I want steak. The only people that would want Skittles are all out of the room already. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, I see the church the church is filling up on junk food. The church is settling for Skittles and Starburst when they could have filet mignon and lasagna. Yeah, I'm preaching now. But we're settling for less, guys. And God is calling us up to this, this heavenly place that we've got to view everything in the, in the, through the eyes of eternity. Paul said this, he said, the things that you see are temporary, but that which is unseen is eternal. And God is calling us to look beyond, look beyond what you see. To look into the, the kingdom, look into the promises of God that are yes and they are amen. Because see, right now, so many of you can look at your circumstances, look at the losses that you've suffered and become depressed. And, and, and sorrowful and woe is me or you can look and see into eternity and see the promises of God are yes and amen even when we don't understand it there's a song that, that Emma had me start listening to it's by Hillsong even when it hurts even when it hurts I'll praise you even when I have no song louder still I'll sing your praise and that's got to be the cry of our heart. Listen, there is stuff in this world I don't understand. To, this, to, to the day I die, I won't get why some things happen and some things don't. But I do know this, that I am called to a higher calling. I'm called to press in. And all I know that I can do is I can become more fervent in my prayer. I can become more fervent in fasting. I can become more fervent in the word to see the kingdom of God expressed through my life. That's all we can do. Because we can all ask a million questions. But the only thing that matters is God is faithful. The psalmist said, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There's goodness coming. Amen? As Can, can I give you guys a, a word that the Lord spoke to me uh, and I shared it with your pastors here? Um, but on the ninth of this month, the Lord gave me a prophetic word for this year. And, and he said this, he said, there are angelic hosts that are all around us constantly. 
And as you seek the face of the Father and the kingdom principles and his presence, there will be an unveiling between the natural looking into the supernatural. For God is a supernatural God who is not moved by our circumstances or what is seen. For the realm that we see, or the realm that he sees is reality and eternal. Therefore, we have to remove our eyes from what we see to that which in the natural is unseen. We do this by entering into a consecrated life, a life of constant worship, which invites his spirit and his presence to make a habitation in our life and not just a visitation. Did y'all hear me? God is calling us. Listen, right now throughout this room, there are angelic hosts that are all around us. I was listening to a message the other day, and, and you remember the story where Peter was in prison? And Peter is there, and he actually kind of goes to sleep, and in the middle of his sleep, he has a, what he believes is a vision that the shackles fall off of him, and the prison door opens, and he realizes as he's walking out of the prison that it's not a dream, and it's not a vision, that it's really happening. Anybody know the story? And so he comes to, the, <laughs> comes to this house where they're all gathered praying for him. And he knocks on the door. This young girl comes to the door and looks through the peephole and she sees Peter. Now they've been praying for Peter because they know he's in prison, right? And she gets so excited that she leaves Peter at the door and runs back in the house. And she says to him, Peter is at the door. And all these Christians who've been praying look at her and they say, no, that's impossible. He's in prison. That must be his angel. Y'all, have y'all heard the story? If you haven't, now you have, okay? And so, as I was listening to this message, they brought up some points that I had not thought about. First of all, visions, open visions, were very co- common in the church. Because Peter was like, oh, I'm just having another vision. How many of you want to have open visions of what God's doing? Yeah, I mean, I do. But not only that, I want you to think about something. In your rational mind, if Pastor Lindsay comes to your door and knocks on the door and you've been praying for and you look out the, your window and you see it's Pastor Lindsay, what would your initial response be? Oh, that's Lindsay. It wouldn't be, oh, that's Lindsay's angel. So what that tells me also is in the New Testament church, it was very common to see angels. It is good. Nobody else seems to think so, but we'll talk. They saw angels, I mean, like, oh, that's her angel. No, it was really Peter. But they thought it was easier to believe that it was an angel than Peter. That blows my mind. Pardon me while I drink. Doesn't that mess with your head? That it was so common for the supernatural realm to be seen that they believed the supernatural above the natural. That's the God we serve, church. We have dumbed down Christianity and watered it down to such a level that I don't even think Jesus recognizes it. I think he's looking at us going, what are you doing? I told you that when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power and you're going to be witnesses. But all you've done is turn it into how can my life be more convenient? Where can I find a church that I can be in and out in 45 minutes and get a little bit of worship and a little bit of prayer and go on about my day before any football games start on Sunday? That's the Western church. That's what we've turned it into. Where I hear stories about the underground church in China that would meet in caves. There's one, we were watching a video, they were meeting in a cave. It was like 108 degrees in the cave and they stayed there for nine hours Standing room only. If we stood up for nine hours in here, most of you would find another church the next week. Well, we just stood the whole day and we got these brand new chairs and it's just terrible. By the way, you're welcome for the chairs. Just FYI. So we can preach for hours because you got padding under your tuchuses. But are you hearing me? There's a hunger. There's a passion, there's a desire to say, we want all that God has for us. 
We want everything. We won't settle. Like, like I read to you a minute ago, I won't settle for less. And if anybody has anything less than mine, God will clear your blurred vision. It's not about just having long services. It's about longing for his presence. Listen, I've been in services that lasted five, six hours. And when we walked out, I didn't even know that we had been there for more than an hour because God's presence was so amazing. And I've been in services that lasted 30 minutes that I thought would never end. It's all about him. But I, listen, my heart is for a, a habitation of his presence in my life. I don't want just visitations. I don't want just the goosebumps and the tingles and the tears. and the, I want that, but I want it to be a constant thing. Are you with me? There's too many Christians that are like bipolar in their Christianity. It's like riding a roller coaster. Like they're having a good day, they're going up, you know, and then all of a sudden their cat dies and they, you know, they're going down. Listen, I've led worship for years now. 20 years I've led worship. And some of the worst things to do is to look at the congregation in the middle of worship. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? It's terrible. There's joy unspeakable and full of glory in his presence. Well, they just didn't play the song I like. Well, it's not about you. I love you. I do. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't preach truth to you. If I didn't love you, I'd come and pat you and say, oh, y'all are doing just fine. Just fine. Just keep it up. The Lord knows your heart. He does. He knows your heart, and your heart needs to be full of him. We've got to quit making excuses, guys. We're too busy. Well, then stop and pray. Listen, there is nobody in here that doesn't have time to pray. Well, you don't know my schedule. Yeah, but I could probably check your Netflix account. I could probably look at your Facebook or your Twitter and the time that you spend doing all kinds of meaningless things. There's time in there for the kingdom. I'm not saying you can't have all that stuff. I'm saying that the king has got to be king in your life. Point blank. I believe God is calling us up. There, this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, hunger determines desperation. And desperation determines revelation. See, when you're hungry, I, I've never, I mean, I've fasted. Like, the longest I fasted at one time was like five days of no food. And I'm hungry at the end of five days. But I'll be honest with you, I'm hungry, you know, after I ate an Egg McMuffin like an hour later. I'm hungry. But to really know hunger, like Lindsay said, we're going to be going to Ethiopia. We, we've worked there for six, seven years now. And we work in the garbage dump in Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia. I've never seen hunger until I've been there. Where I've watched children and adults digging through other people's garbage in order to find food. Listen, if I want food, I can scrape together four quarters and go get a, you know, McDouble or something. But they're desperately hungry. They're starving. And when you are, when you have hunger in your life it will make you desperate you will eat whatever you there's some people that i know they'll mix dirt and water and eat it just to put something on their children's belly that's hunger that leads to desperation and we don't know that in this world we don't know that in our in our lifestyle and i'm not saying we got to be starving naturally i'm saying we got to get hungry for the things of the kingdom and become desperate. God, I can't live without you. God, I can't make it through the day if I don't have your presence. I mean, we should be so desperate. Lord, I don't even want to get out of bed until your presence overflows in me. He's with us always, yes, but there's a greater outpouring God wants. Are y'all with me? <laughs> Listen, we've gone, we are in the middle of a great transition in our life. We, we, some of you know, some of you don't. We just closed our church. We shut our church down in Dyersburg the, the end of last year, and we are stepping into a new transition. That's why we've been here some, and we're praying about what God is doing in our life. But I'm going to tell you that, that our heart is with you guys because we are, we are wanting to build up the leadership here and be a support system and, and build up. You have some great leaders, and there are great 
part in this church and God only wants to do great things and I promise you and don't take this wrong but I don't want to be a part of somewhere where great things aren't going to happen you with me so I'm looking for what God wants to do in this house and he wants to bring us to a greater place amen are y'all okay can I can I actually preach what my sermon is to you now okay I just we're, we're, I want to cover it quickly because I don't want to wear you out but second Kings turn to second Kings um, chapter 7 with me real quick because I want you to see what happens when we get desperate everybody say I got to get desperate do you mean it yeah second Kings chapter 7 we're gonna start in the first two verses there it says this then Elijah said hear the word of the Lord Everybody say hear the word of the Lord now let me look at me real quick before you read on this is set in the time of famine everybody say famine now if there's famine what are people hungry they're not hungry they're hungry y'all with me they want some food there's famine in the land and so the word of the Lord comes in a time of famine does it not fit this house right now y'all been in a little bit of famine yes so here's the word of the Lord the word of the Lord from Elijah comes he says, thus said the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a shea of five, fine flour shall be, so, easy for me to say, shall be sold for a shekel, and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So then an officer arose whose hand the king leaned on, so this is a big dog, and he answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, Elijah says to him, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Let me tell you something, guys. The word of the Lord, the promise of God will come in the time of famine. And you have to hear the word of the Lord and not the word of naysayers. Come on. Can, can I be real with you for a minute? Can I, can I be real with you? You can't listen to the naysayers that say, well, if God's moving in that church, how come there's been so many funerals? I'm just being real with you right now. Well, if God's moving in that church, how come y'all meeting in an old gym out in the middle of a town called Denmark that nobody even knows exists? I didn't know there was a Denmark, Tennessee, till I came here. But now I put in my resume that I preached in Ethiopia, in Wales, in England, and in Denmark. You know, so nobody knows the difference. But y'all hear me? Listen, you can't listen to the words of the naysayers because they're out there. You can't listen to the people who say, well, if you really want to grow a church, what you need is quick worship, a quick message, something that makes people feel good and, you know, make them all happy because that is not what God called us to be. He called us to be the kingdom. And the kingdom of God suffers violence and violent take it by force. Amen? So don't believe the naysayers. Look at verse 3. This is what I want you to see. This is where we're at. Now, there were four leprous men. Everybody said they were lepers. Now, I have had the, I guess you call it, privilege of meeting some lepers because we go to a leper colony. I've never seen a leper. When I think of lepers, I think of the Bible, right? But I've met leprous people where their fingers have rotted off, they've lost their legs, and it's just amazing to see how God has used some of them. I, I was amazed. This one woman, she, her hand looked just like that. She had no thumb and these fingers, and she was sewing. She had a needle about that long, and she was sewing, and she had the biggest smile on her face. And I thought, God, make my heart happy for the little things. Are y'all hearing me? Listen, I get excited when I come back home. Because I can flush my toilet paper again. I know y'all, it's the little things, guys. But there were these four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die that's my question for the church why are we sitting here until we die see we got to come to a point where we're not content to just hold on to the end I've been in the church since about I don't know mid 80s late 80s I really started serving God about 88 and back in the late 80s and some of you guys were there the, the, the biggest message I remember being preached was the Lord was coming back. You know what I'm talking about? 
You remember the, I call them Christian horror flicks. A Thief in the Night, A Distant Thunder. Those were the rapture movies, okay? They're the movie, and it was always this horrifying thing. I remember going to youth rallies, and we would go, and they'd put, have a big screen, and they'd have an old reel-to-reel projector, and they'd put this movie on where the people that didn't receive Jesus had to receive the mark of the beast or get their heads cut off, and man, the altars were full. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about because you never experienced that. That's why I call them Christian horror flicks. They're great. Everybody should go watch them. And so it put this fear that Jesus was coming back, and if you weren't ready, man, you were going to be here, and if you didn't take the mark, you were going to starve to death, or they were going to cut your head off. And it put you in this place of like, oh my goodness. And from the late 80s into the 90s, we were hearing all the time, were we not, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. It was a message of get ready, pack your bags because Jesus is coming. It was this escape attitude. And then Jesus didn't show up. In fact, there was one dude that wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 88. Sold millions of copies. The church believed it so much that there were people that went out and bought new cars and ran up their visa bills thinking Jesus was coming back and they wouldn't have to pay their bill. The thing is, if Jesus had come, he'd have left them here anyway. Been like, joke's on you, sucker. (laughs) I'm serious. This is how, I mean, that was the message of the church. That was the message, especially in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches. In the Pentecostal churches, you couldn't go to the movie theaters because they had rapture-proof ceilings. And if you were in a sinful movie theater when the rapture came, you would hit the roof and go back to your body, and you'd never get to heaven. It's truth. Thank you very much. I got a witness right here. I'm telling you, that was the message. But then in the mid-90s, it didn't happen the way it had been preached. And so people started forgetting. But let me tell you something. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And there's got to be this attitude where we don't just hold on. Well, Jesus, come save me. Listen, I, I don't like the song, I'll Fly Away. I'm sorry if that offends anyone. But the reason I don't like it is because there's a verse in there that says, just a few more weary hours. We're just going to struggle through. If we can just make it. Man, Jesus said that you should have life and life abundantly. I don't want to struggle through this life. I'm not going to just hold on till heaven. We are called to live an abundant life. The the Father will do above what you can even ask or think. Are y'all with me? I feel like I'm the only excited one in the room. Thank you. Gives me a false sense of security. Listen, we've got to come to a point where we realize what God is doing in us. We've got to stop saying, why, why do we just sit here until we die? I believe that these lepers represent Christians for a couple reasons. One, see, lepers are, are not accepted by the world. Like I said, where we go as a leper, it started with 5,000 lepers. They're rejected because leprosy is highly contagious. And can I tell you something? This world should not accept you. There should be a friction between you and the world because you should be so much like Jesus that they're going, we, don't, we want what you've got, but we don't want to be like you are until they meet who you follow. But when we just look like the world and everybody's just, you know, they're like, oh, you go to church? That's a bad question. There should be a difference in us. And these four lepers, here they are. Let's, let's read on. It says in verse, verse 4, it says, if we say we'll enter the city, the famine is in the city. Everybody say the famine. So if we go to the famine in the city, we shall die there. And if we sit here, we're going to die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians, and if they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we're only going to die. See, the Syrians had surrounded the city, and, and they, had, they had the children of Israel captives, man. And they said, look, we've got some choices. We can sit here, and we're going to die. We can go into the city, and we're going to starve to death. Or we can go and just try our luck with the Syrians. Listen, if you will step out in faith, even if it's weak faith, God will honor it. Are y'all hearing me? If you will step out in faith, listen, they were like, look, 
we'll go surrender. But we're going to move. We're not just going to sit here. Some of you guys are in that place. It's okay. The man whose son was the paralytic and they couldn't cast the demons out. Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I've been there a lot of times. Listen, I've seen God do miracles. I've prayed for people and they've gotten healed. And sometimes I've prayed for them. They're like, like I'll pray for a knee and they'll be like, my knee's better. I'm like, really? I'm as shocked as they are. I know I should be, you know, a man of faith and power and always. But listen, sometimes we just got to step out in a little bit of faith, even if it's weak. You just got to do it. We just got to do it. Everybody say, just do it. That's right. So it goes on in verse 5. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the, the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and they fled at twilight and they left the whole camp intact. Their tents, their horses, their donkeys and fled for their lives. And when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and they ate and they drank and they carried from it silver and gold and clothing and they went and hid them and then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and they went and they hid it. Are y'all hearing me? So here's these four lepers. Just a few hours ago, they're dying. They're in a city in a famine. They're exiled. Nobody wants to be around them and they're making a decision. We can sit here and die. We can go in the city and die, or we can try our luck going into the enemy's camp. There was a song back in the day, you remember that? I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. There were four lepers, and as they walked into that place, the Lord, everybody say the Lord, the Lord caused the enemy to hear the sound of a great army. And they didn't even take time to get their horses. They just split and run. Can I tell you something? You may look like four lepers right now. But if you will walk in the power of God, he will win your battle for you. He is the God of the supernatural. He is the God of more than enough. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Every demon flees. He said, I can cast out demons with the finger of God. That's the Jesus I serve. And so if I'll just get up, if I'll just get tired of sitting where I'm sitting and start moving, the Lord will cause my enemy to flee from before me. What's the Bible say? A thousand will fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't touch me. The sun can't hit me in the day. The moon can't touch me at night. Why? Because the Lord is with me. Because I'm hiding in the secret place, in the shadow of the Almighty. Y'all aren't hearing me today. I'm telling you, God wants to bring you up. God wants to bring you to a place. You feel like a leper. God wants to make you into a leader. He wants to make you into a victorious church. Are you ready for it? We've got to step out. Victory comes supernaturally. He'll come through it, it, it might not be the way you think he would. I mean, these lepers didn't think we're going to walk in, they're going to think we're a great army. They're like, we're just going to go surrender and hopefully get a meal. But God brings victory even when you least expect it. But you got to get up. You got to get up. You got to quit sitting where you're at and get up and move. And God will bring victory. Let me show you one more thing, a little bit more here. Verse 8. Look at what they did. They took, went into the camp, they ate and they drank, they took silver and gold, and they hid it. Everybody say they hid it. See, the first thing that happens is human nature kicks in, right? I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. And they had every right to do that because they're in a town where nobody even wanted to talk to them. They wouldn't touch them. They were exiles. So in our mind, we can justify, well, when I get blessing, I'm going to get my blessing. But God has a plan not just to bless you, but to make you a blessing. Listen, I believe in prosperity. I do. 
I believe that God wants you to prosper. He said, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Some of y'all want to know why people aren't prospering and being in health? Because their soul is in a cruddy position. You got to get that soul prospering. You got to get in the word. You got to get in worship. You got to get in his presence. But God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be prosperous. But he doesn't want you to have a bunch of stuff so you can say, look at all the stuff I got. Listen, if you got four cars, four Mercedes Benz, and there's only one of you, you got too much junk. I'm just saying. If you got a 25,000 square foot home and there's two people living in it, you better be adopting some orphans. That's all I know. Because the kingdom of God is not about what we can gather. The kingdom of God is about sowing. He said this in, in, in Corinthians. He tells us that I will give you a, a, an abundance for every good work. See, I, God wants to bless us so we can be a blessing. Are you with me? So they get past their human nature. Look at verse 9. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. Everybody say good news. And we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now therefore come and let us go tell the king's household. So they went and they called out to the king. Uh, sorry, they called out to the gatekeepers of the city and they told them saying, we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there. Not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied in their tents intact. Let me tell you something right here. God's provision to all people will come through the obedience of the desperate. If you'll just get desperate, God will use you for provision. See, the wor one of the worst things that I've seen happen to Christians is they get born again. That's not the worst part. That's the good part. They get born again, but they forget that there's a world out there that's lost. They get comfortable. They're, they're like the lepers. They've got their gold. They've got their silver. They've got their bellies full. I'm happy. I'm content. I'm doing okay. My four and no more. But the reality is that that's just the beginning of the journey. Because Jesus told us, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature, making disciples in my name. Come on. He said, there's a, there's a world that needs you, that God so loved the world, not just you. It's not your choice and my choice. Who should hear the gospel? We got to give them the good news. That's what these lepers said. Look, we got to share this good news. We got to share it, guys. We got to be evangelists. We got to be out there sharing the goodness of Jesus. That my God is faithful. My God is good. It doesn't matter what you're going through. And they may reject what you have to say. They did to these lepers. They came and they're like, oh, it's just a trap. It's a trap of the enemy. That's okay. I'm doing my part. The Lord told Ezekiel, he said, behold, son of man, I'm sending you out to a wicked and perverse nation. And he said, I want you to speak to them, to prophesy to them. And whether they believe or they don't believe, it's not on you. But they'll know that there's been a prophet among them. It's not your job to convert anybody. It's your job to share the truth with them and give them that opportunity. Listen, church, we've got to become a moving force. Are y'all with me? We've got to become a moving force. We've got to become, uh, there's got to be a fire in us. Just like I told you that the Lord said, he's moving us to the front lines. You've got to get battle ready. Paul says to Timothy, he tells him, he says, look, you, if you're a good soldier, you've got to pay attention. You can't be concerned with the affairs of what's going on home. When there's bullets flying, it doesn't matter if you left the coffee pot on or not. What matters is there's an enemy shooting at you, and you've got to dispose of him. God is calling us up, church. He's calling us to a greater place. And I want to be a part of it. Are you with me? Verse 16, I'm going to close out there. It says, then the people went out, and they plundered the tents of the Syrians. So the very prophecy that Elijah gave came to pass. It says, according to the word of the Lord. If we'll prophesy what God says, guys, there is nothing that can stop it. There is nothing that can stop it. I want to give you one more scripture. 2 Timothy. We got that one. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. You guys okay? Second Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8 says this. Paul, this is Paul's ending here his benediction 
He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Everybody say, finish the race. And I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to also all those who have loved his appearing. Guys, we've got to fight the fight. We've got to run the race. We've got to finish the course. We've got to press on. One of the greatest men in my life is a guy by the name of Warwick Shenton. He was like a spiritual father to me. And I'll never forget, he preached a message one time 25 years ago. A long time ago. Back when I was eight. Just kidding, I was old. Like nine. But he said this. He said, he said my desire is to finish my race before I finish my life. I want to finish my race before I finish my life. That's what I want to do. I want to finish my race. I want to go and I want to run the race. I want to fight the fight because there's a reward, man. When I get to heaven, I want to hear dump trucks backing up to drop all the crowns of righteousness that I've got because I don't get to keep them. I get to give them all to Jesus. That is the greatest moment that is going to come because we're going to say, Jesus, it was all for you. Because it's all about him, guys. Everything's about him. Every breath we breathe, everything, it's about him. Are you ready to step up? Come on, are you ready? Because I want God to pour it out. I, I, don't, I want nothing less than the best he's got. Nothing less. I don't want to settle for less. I don't want to become comfortable. I don't want to die of starvation. I want to get hungry and desperate and fight until the moment I see his promises that are yes and amen. And I believe this building is full of people like that. I believe God has called you into this house for such a time as this. I, I spoke this word over Pastor Jeremy, and I'm telling you that I heard the Lord say that he's propelling this. He's propelling this place, and I saw a submarine propeller cutting through the water. And it pushes through, and the velocity of it breaks up all the things that are stagnant. Some of y'all need some stuff broke up in your life this morning. Well, are you willing to admit you need some stuff broke up in your life this morning? And I believe God wants to do that. 